0: Good morning, LCM. Today is January 19th, 2020. The title of today's message is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those kind of days. Um, Look, I I want to call to your attention what I think should be very obvious to everyone in the room. Uh, The Lord is doing something unique in our midst even today. Amen. It feels to me like we've already completed a service after that worship time. It feels exactly the same to me that we have already done what we needed to do, and yet here we are, just done with worship. So that must mean that the Lord wants to take us deeper into his presence today. There's something special that he has set up for us as we walk through the gates of praise. As we've gotten our hearts right at an altar of sacrifice, as we've been washed in his blood and cleansed by his very presence, we are now able to do something that is incredible. We're able to receive from his spirit and his word today in a special way. And that is where we are starting our message. Wow, what a special day this is in the God's house. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 as we get into the word
1: today. So somebody say there when you're there. 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 I can heal there. some zeal in this house. There. Man, I am excited about what is already taking place. And I also know that the Lord is going to kindle something in us as we continue. Amen. Our goal this morning is that we're going to reflect what God is speaking to us today and then put it immediately into practice. Amen. Live in it, walk in it, breathe it. You there in 1 Kings 19? We're going to pick up in verse 5. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. See, the context here is Elijah is a man that has stood with the fire and power of God. He stood on the word that God had spoken. He depended upon the fire from heaven. And he saw each of these things happen. And now he's worn out enough to fall asleep under a tree. You ever been tired? Ever been doing the will of the Lord and tired from it? An angel comes and doesn't smack him awake. An angel comes and touches him. Says, get up and eat. Something's going to build here that's happening in Elijah's life after he stood for the will of God, fought for the will of God. Something more is happening to him.
0: See, it's not just that he stood and fought against 850 of the enemy's prophets. It's not just that he saw a fire come down from heaven. He is now discouraged in a way that is kind of special. Lord, you might as well just kill me. Now I'm going to sit down under a tree and I'm just going to take a little nap because that's all I got about the space to do. You know when the when the Bible says that an angel appears before man, it's oftentimes that they say, "Fear not." Why? Because there's someone that's trembling because there's a giant angel standing in front of him. This time you get an angel whispering in his ear and saying, "Hey, you need to get up and eat." Verse 6, he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals. Okay. Ooh. He didn't see the angel, but what he saw was some bread. Mm. Okay, now, now I, want you to have, uh, I want you to think through this with me for a second. As I'm reading this this morning, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the illusion of the first time, but i got to tell you something that my brain went, man, I hadn't had bread in a long time. <laughs> Keto people, I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to you know get down to my playing weight here, and and so I haven't had bread, and so what I thought of was a giant, hot, fresh, yeah. yeast roll, just beautifully plump, some butter dripped on top. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. But then I actually had to go back and figure out what Elijah would have been experiencing and not filtering it through my own preferences. Do you think that an angel of the Lord would have presented him with something full of yeast? See, it is more likely that he came to him with an unleavened bread and said, I have baked this on the coals that came straight from the altar of God. See, I've got some fire for you. And see, what you thought was really good, your mouths were watering. You're all ready for lunch. We're like, no, it's not that time yet. We're at the beginning of the service. See, when we start looking at it rightly, we realize that what God had given was not tainted with sin in any way. There was no selfish personal ambition that was involved. He was eating from the bread of heaven, and he had a jar of water. Not a mason jar. Mm. All you southerners, you were thinking a mason jar. I got it. But see, he had a jar of water, and then what did he do? He ate of what God had provided, something from the heavens, something divine, and then he did something that some of us do. He went right back to sleep. <laughs> Did I tell you that I was tired earlier? I mean, I was really, like, depressed so about the despair that was settling in on my life. So I just went right back to bed. This is what Elijah does here in this passage. We're going to keep going and find out
1: that uh, we're not so different than Elijah today. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Would you stop for a minute and say, thank you, Lord, for the second time? <laughs> How many times have we been strengthened, heard something, and it should have been enough, but the truth is we needed to hear it a second time? And he touched him, and he said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. See, the first time he whispered something, the second time that he shows up, Elijah doesn't just wake up and look around and, oh, there's bread and water here, that's cool. No, the angel wakes him up. He said, no, you need, wake up, get up and eat. Why? For the journey is too much for you. Before we continue, this passage is something that we feel like is a prophetic message for the body. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. We're six minutes into a sermon. We're going to go ahead and say, We know that you are filled with fear and insecurity about a great deal of things. Why? Because we're responsible for you. You've been hearing words about elevating your priesthood, about the things that God is calling us as a body to. We, we feel incapable. We feel like we don't have what we need, just like you do and are warring with that. I want to tell you that it's completely true that you don't have what you need, that you're 100% insufficient and that God has given us a godly vision, a righteous path, a journey ahead of us that we are going to go down. But today is a very special day. A day where we eat of something. Where we hear a whisper of God that is leading us to what we need to survive this journey. Let's look at what the angel continues to say. So he got up, he ate, he drank, and he was strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Where do you guys, have you heard 40 days and 40 nights before? What does that draw to your mind? The journey ahead is too much. It is too much in your own natural strength. It is too much in your own willpower. It is too much for you. In the same way that Jesus could not have done what He did in 40 days without supernatural power, without a word from heaven, without the Spirit of God leading Him into that desert. See, it wasn't the enemy who trapped Him. The Spirit led Him there because He was a man who would be tested and approved. God is leading us into a journey of testing, of proving what He has shown us where those visions become alive, where our priesthood is a perpetual priesthood because it has been established firmly. Today, the Lord is going to help us by giving us more of what we need, more of what we must have to make the journey. He's been kind enough to start moving on our hearts prior to this point. A little bit like getting everything in order in your household, getting everything, all the distractions, all of the sin problems that are in the way, out So that we can clearly hear what he wants us to have. Isn't this a beautiful passage for us, church?
0: The idea that he said, get up and eat. And the first time it was about the the nourishment needed. The second time it wasn't as much about the nourishment, but it was in context of, you're going somewhere. You're not going to be able to get there all by yourself. And as a matter of fact, look at this verse that's on the screen. It says, strengthened by that food. I want to give you a little nugget here. If you're in a NASB, if you're in another translation, it says something more like he got up and on the strength of that meal, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. That what the Lord is trying to do in our midst, man, he has fed us before. He has whispered in our ear and said, it's time for you to get up and eat. See, but what he's whispering in our ear today, what he's been whispering in Judah's ear, in my ear, in Pastor Matt's ear, is to say, yeah, you got to get up and eat. Because there's a journey that's too far. And in the, what we're going to get today, what we're believing for, this is probably the least scripted message that you will ever hear from me. We are not trying to script what we're saying today. We are trying to stay in the heart of God because we have this inkling. We have this hope that he's going to whisper something in your ear that will cause you to go on a supernatural journey. See, he knows what's coming, but we don't. We can just start feeling and saying, he's whispering something. Are you listening? He's whispering something in our soul and we've got to go on that food, on that word, on what he tells us today. Somebody say today, today, it's going to have to take us on an extended journey into what he has for our church. We better get our ears attuned to the whisper. Let's go
1: on to verse nine, verse nine and 10. (laughs) Elijah said, spends the night in a cave and the word of the Lord comes to him. It says, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. See, Elijah has experienced a heavenly bread, but he's still removing his own concerns, his own fears, the things that are warring against what God is trying to do in him. Verse 11 says, The Lord said, Go out. And stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. pastor is going to share with us about the rest of this passage. I want to tell you that right now, for us to receive what the Lord has, we have to continue fully, firmly, remove those thoughts of insecurity. Those thoughts of fear, the things that God has just washed you of 10 minutes ago at the, up here at this altar. Don't pick them back up again. Amen. He brought you here for a reason. We really are just going to be speaking about how to receive, how to understand what God is going to do in you today. The scripture is going to say, then
0: a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Somebody say, he wasn't there. there. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Somebody say, "He he wasn't there. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Somebody say, he wasn't there. there. And then after the fire, came a gentle whisper. See, this isn't just about Elijah today. This is about us. The earth, wind, and fire that we see in this passage is trying to teach us something. It's trying to teach us that we are often looking for God to come with a wind that tears through everything. We're expecting him to rattle the earth beneath our feet. We're expecting a fire that will just come in and sweep up. But you know what he's trying to do for us today? He's trying to come in with a whisper so that you might hear what he is saying. Wow, what a different place for us to be today. What a different place for us to understand. And we're going to find out what
1: the Lord whispers to him in just a second. But let's see how he responds in verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, he repeats the exact same problem. It sounds so much like counseling. He's a man of God. He's anointed. And yet he's having to drop something. What are you doing here? Elijah pulls his cloak over his face. And Pastor and I have been kind of puzzled by it. Wondering, you know, Moses was put behind the cleft of the rock Uh, when the Lord passed by him, maybe it's a similar scenario. What is it? Honestly, we don't know for sure what it is. Cloak, another word for it is his mantle that he later puts on Elijah. I suppose, though, that something of him working through dropping those fears and concerns, he's having to put his mantle, his function, his anointing back over his eyes and his face again. Something of the face in the Bible represents your likeness, who you are. It is a representation of closeness. Your face not performing the function, the place that you are called to, is not is not going to draw near to God. But your face covered in the things that He has already spoken to you is how we draw near and hear what else He has to say. Verse 15, the Lord said, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there... Anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Baal, Melhoah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. See, the Lord doesn't even really acknowledge him for a bit. He tells him what he should be focusing on, what his calling, what his anointing should be aiming at. And then he says, yes, and there are 7,000 I have reserved. I want to tell you that this was speaking to us about the things that God has already told us during the one association about a greater emphasis on discipleship about raising men up. We know that He's calling us to be elevated, but for what purpose? For what reason? What is it that our elevation is going to do? Is it just for our families to have a perpetual priesthood? Or is it that we might be ambassadors of the living God that are able to raise up and anoint others? The way that we fulfill what God has given us, that He has already spoken to us, is by more fully walking in the calling and anointing that He's called us to. We have to begin to strip away our own fear and concern and listen for the whisper. He is not going to come down in a mountain of fire and change our minds. We are supposed to operate as men who know him, who know the living God, who are not looking like the prophets of Baal for a demonstration to do what he already told us to do. He's giving us heavenly bread. He's given us water that is from his spirit to drink of, and he is drawing us deeper today so that he might speak to us. I want to hear what he says, and then I want to rise up and accomplish what he says, Want to go out and raise up, anoint, train, and see men perform the callings that we as priests are supposed to facilitate. So what is it that God says
0: when he whispers to you? Do you notice this? We see the whisper. We see a conversation. And then what does God say to Elijah? He tells Elijah what he is supposed to be doing. See, most of the time we want God to give us what we were, what we think that we need and what God is whispering to us is, I need you to go and get back to work. I've got a work for you to do. Perhaps you're not hearing the whispering because you're listening for the wrong thing. When God starts to whisper to you, then it, what it should cause in you is to want to go shout out what He has already said. It should be that you thunder with a shout from the heavens that causes you to step forward doing something. Lord, I, I just need this. If, if only you'll speak to me. Yeah, he will speak to you about what you should be doing. He's going to speak to you about who he is and what you must do about your purpose. Go anoint somebody. Elijah, go anoint a king that's not even of your own country. Wait, what? Wait, what? I want you to go anoint a man from another land to have him sit on the throne and the king of Israel and your replacement. See, Elijah is whining and what God is doing is saying, yeah, I got something for you. Go do what I'm telling you to do. (laughs) See, that's the kind of thing that God's going to whisper to you today. You think that you need all these other things. And what he's trying to do is whisper and say, I've got a work for you to do. Now you must go do
1: it. You must go do it now. Part of elevating our prayer life is that we stop whining about our problems and start wanting to die for the vision that God has given us. We're going to go from whining to wanting to complete the task today. Let's turn to Numbers 25. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, Numbers chapter 25
0: and verse 10. Say there when you're there. 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 It says this, the Lord said to Moses, who's the Lord speaking to? Moses. Got it. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. We have been studying this passage. Every sermon this entire year has been hinting or directly reading from this very passage. Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. See, he and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. See, now here's an interesting thing. The whole chapter, God is speaking to Moses. God is speaking to Moses. God is speaking to Moses. But who is it that heard as if he were hearing a whisper of what God had said and went and did it? It was Phinehas. Phinehas. God was speaking to Moses, but Phinehas heard the whisper. God was directing one who did not fulfill it, but another said, I heard a whisper of what God wanted me to do. I'm going to go get that done right now. I will get a spear and I will fix this problem right now. Because all he needed was the whisper. He didn't need an earthquake. He didn't need the winds. He didn't need a fire. He just needed The whisper of God's actual heart, the whisper of what God desired, and it turned into a thundering
1: shout of his actions because of the whisper that he heard. He he did not need thunder in his own mind and in his own ears. All that he had to do was just hear what God wanted. The fact that it wasn't spoken to him made no difference because he had reverence for God's name. The fact that he heard it at a distance made no difference for him because he had reverence for God's name. Now, how does he respond he goes and he kills Zimri. That's a shout of a response. God may have spoken it to him in a whisper where it was given to another man, but he was there listening and watching over the word, waiting to see what God wanted to accomplish. And then he put his hands to the work. And man, that was a lot more than a, sh- a whisper by the end of it. He was shouting out the will of God, wasn't he? Did he shout out the will of God with, by his speech? By actions. So when you hear God reveal something to the leadership in this church, wives, to your husbands, to the people that you're in covenant with, even if it's just a whisper, your deeds have the potential to be a thunderous shout of an action that transformed the state and condition of your home, of your church, of your body. You can be attentive in listening to the whisper that God speaks to us corporately. Let's turn to Isaiah
0: chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. You're going to have to to, to keep up with our pace today. Isaiah 30 and verse 19. Say there when you're there. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 19. You're going to want to see this for yourself. It says this, O people of Zion, you who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. Uh Uh-oh. Come on now. That's some good news, isn't it? There's no more weeping. These people are starting to walk towards what they're supposed to be doing. How gracious God will be when you cry out for help. Man, we are sometimes nervous to cry out for help because we're afraid of what others may think about us. Hey, brother, uh, the truth is is I'm a little embarrassed, but I need some help. Yeah, see, here, when we're crying out for help from the Lord, he's going to be gracious. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Anybody have a little trouble believing that? Mm-hmm. but I've prayed before and He didn't answer me immediately. <laughs> See, what He's going to do for us today, what He's been preparing our hearts for for over a year now, but especially for over a month now, He is going to talk to you. As soon as, you, as He hears your cry for help, He will come and speak to you. Yeah. See, we've got to actually have an expectation that the God of all creation will answer us that He will speak to us, that He wants to communicate and commune and have a closeness with us. Although the Lord gives the bread of adversity. Somebody say adversity. Adversity. Now, isn't this kind of depressing? We just had the good news that He's going to answer us as soon as we cry out for help. Then what's the very next thing? I'm going to make sure that you cry out to me. Although the Lord gives the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Oh, there we are with bread and water again. Huh. Maybe that's part of what Elijah had to eat from was the bread and the jar of water, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you whispering to you that this is the way. Walk in it. See, this idea that that God is going to let you know how much you're supposed to suffer. Mm. Reminds me of Acts chapter 9 and Paul. This is the great man Paul. He hears the voice of the Lord. Others only hear a rumbling. He hears the whisper and understands the clarity, but others only saw the light. And what, was that man, what did that man hear? He's going to, the Lord's going to tell you how much you must suffer. Yeah. See, the journey that we're going on as a church, it's too long for us. Yeah. The number 40 in the Bible represents Testing. Elijah went on a 40-day and a 40-night journey, but he was carried, he was sustained, he was helped, he was carried along by a divine word from the Lord. It carried him, that whisper, caused him to be able to shout thunderously in his actions.
1: You know, Pastor, I think the reason that we have trouble hearing from God is because we don't always hear Him whispering what we want. If He's speaking... To his friend in a whisper. Where he doesn't have to shout it at you. And we don't want to hear it. We miss it. See what he had for Elijah was that he had work to do. That he was now going to need to stop whining. And start fighting for the kingdom of God. That he comes when we cry out to him. He comes when we call to him. And he gives us the bread of affliction. The water of adversity. For our own benefit, because that is what we are heading for, is a 40 day kind of time frame in our life when he gave us something special that is going to be tested, that is going to be refined, that is going to be elevated. It's time that we tune our ears into the whisper of the Lord and remove the things that are clogging them, our own thoughts, own desires and our own things that we want to hear. Isaiah 42, we'll put this one on the screen. We're going to pick up in the 11th verse. Let the desert and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar live rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. They're shouting from the mountaintops things that God has done inside of them. They're taking that whisper just like Phinehas when he heard something that God wanted to accomplish. And they're then they're beginning to shout it, proclaim it. What happens when you shout from up on a mountain? So, come on, some brothers that have been to Brew, You hear it for quite a ways. It's almost like thunder when somebody is really shouting at the top of a mountain. See, the things that God gives us in private, whether they're a whisper, whether they're short, whether they're small, when they're genuinely born of heaven, they begin to cultivate something inside of us that produces a deep resonance, that produces a shout from the mountains, that produces action like Phinehas that speaks louder than words. Verse 12, let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim His praise to the islands. The Lord will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, He will stir up His zeal. With a shout, He will raise the battle cry and will triumph over His enemies. See, when we listen to the small words of God, when we actually take it inside of us and it begins to cultivate something in us that we are willing to stand and proclaim, when we hear something in His holy of holies and it transforms our life, The God of all creation starts to stir His zeal. He starts to stir Himself up. He starts to clothe Himself and be ready for battle. And He raises a shout. Do you want the God of all creation to raise a shout today? See, He is waiting for us to hear Him. Stir it inside of us and begin to proclaim it. And then the mighty right hand of God joins you because you are performing His will, carrying out His actions And He sustains you in the 40 days and causes you to do what you didn't think was possible. Turn with us to Matthew
0: chapter 10. Hey, we want to encourage you today with this kind of a word that says, you know what, we often talk as if God is going to have these lengthy diatribes with us, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Do you know what has happened more often in my life than not? There's a whisper of a direction. I mean, it's just just a single phrase that begins to shape that begins to move everything in my life. And I'm like, Lord, I, I really do think that was you. I was asking you for an answer. And you gave me just a word. You gave me just a phrase. You gave me something small. This should be encouraging to us today. We've got the wrong kind of idea sometimes about God talking to us. As charismatics. As, chara- as charismaniacs. We kind of go, yeah, the Lord told me this. Really? He speaks to you that much? When He speaks... This warrior-like voice, he can give you a whisper and it will transform what you do today and tomorrow and next month and next year and the next several decades of your life. Yeah, right. He is trying to whisper something to us that our actions may be a thunderous shout that it responds to him and says, yes, Lord, I heard it as a whisper Then I began to do it. And then it began to resonate. It began to grow. It began to grow. It began to grow. It was more and more. It's never even one time diminished. It grew from a whisper into a shout. This is what we are trying to... This is the voice of the Lord to us today. We didn't, we didn't even get this sermon together because it's what we wanted to preach today. We actually just got in prayer and said, Lord, only what you want. We'll yeah. set everything aside. Would you just whisper to us what your desire is today? Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. Look at what it says here. Matthew 10, 26. So do not be afraid of them. <laughs> Man, what an encouraging word. The Lord has to say that to us so many times. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Or nothing hidden that will not be made known. By the way, this is Jesus instructing His disciples before He sends them out to go and preach repentance for the world. Mm-hmm. He's talking to 12 people. And this is part of His instruction. Don't be afraid of them. I promise you I'm going to make it all come to light in due time. Look at verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak it out in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftops. Come on. Do you see what the Lord is telling us? He's saying, I'm going to whisper something to you. In, in the stillness, in the quietness, in the darkness of your nighttime prayer, He's going to speak something to you, and He expects you to get up and go proclaim it in the light. He expects what the whisper was in your ear that you will shout it thunderously from the rooftops. This is what God is saying. I will whisper something to you. Have we attuned our ears to His whisper? What are we expecting? We have all of our expectations, all of our, our own thoughts about things, and He's saying, I want to whisper something to you. LCM, the Lord is whispering something to us today. We want to be able to rightly hear that That we might magnify it with a thunderous shout, with the attitude and the actions of our lives as we go forward. This passage goes on to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the ones who can kill the body. You need to be reverencing my name. You better be afraid of me. Yeah, he's the sovereign of the universe, I promise. How much do you need from him? If he says go, you should go. If he says to come towards him, you come towards him. There's no other
1: discussion that's needed because we're listening for his whisper." Really, in truth, what we're preaching about is what you need for what God is going to give you in a minute. It's not us telling you, "You must do this today, tomorrow. This is driven from your own hunger and own desire. Some of you are staring at us blankly. Some of you are filled with a holy desire to see what is going to happen. Tell me, stir up your zeal. Stir up your zeal. Don't just sit here like a dead brick. Now is the time to cultivate a desire for what Jesus the Christ might speak to you, not somebody else. That he wishes to speak to you ought to cause a man to come alive with that excitement. That God of all creation has taken enough interest to want to speak to you personally. That he wants to reveal something inside of you. And what we are doing now is building a zeal for it, building a hunger for it, and tuning our ears in to hear it. You ought not be able to sleep through that.
0: See what this passage, do you see what it's saying? What is the first phrase on the screen right now? Don't be afraid. The reason that some of you are sitting here is like, yeah, I'm not sure that he will speak to me. Yeah. We are going for a corporate hearing of God's words to us today. We're not asking you just to listen to us. We're saying, prepare your hearts, prepare your hearts. He's going to whisper to you. He's going to do it. And you're like, I'm afraid he may not do that for me. I mean, that's kind of weird. No, 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 it's not weird. It's God's desire for us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to have us close. Turn with us to John 4, and you're going to figure out what this closeness will produce. But you cannot be afraid that He will not speak. We must have our hearts prepared, expecting for Him to do exactly what He promised.
1: He will do exactly what He promises today. In fact, Pastor, him speaking to us is actually the solution to our problem. <laughs> it's what fixes the fear, the insecurity. Who's in John 4? John 4. Let's pick up in the 49th verse. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. Doesn't come lay hands on him. Doesn't come prophesy over him. Doesn't come bring the priest or the elders. He just says, Go. Your son will live. Very simple phrase. Not an elaborate conversation. Very direct word from God in it. All of its simplicity. We're about to read about the ramifications of that simplistic, small, little whisper. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the good news that his boy was living. See, there's the good news in general that is the gospel. Then there's the good news that's at work in your life when it comes alive to you. That his boy was living. My boy is sitting on the front row over here. His name is Titus, and I love him deeply. If I needed him to be healed, and I said, Pastor, Elder, please pray for my son. And they said, go, your boy will live. I might even be tempted to be hurt. Like, seriously, you won't take enough time to pray for him? He's my son. You won't take the time to lay your hands on him. He's my son. And yet, this man understood that the simple words of God are more than enough. Enough that if He cultivated it, that if He took it down in His heart, that it would grow into a real miraculous event. When He inquired as to the time when His Son got better, they said to Him, the fever left Him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the Father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to Him, Your Son will live. So He and all His household believed. See, you actually need to know the Lord. You actually need to hear from Him. The thing that you think is keeping you from knowing Him, keeping you from hearing from Him. That is the very thing that will fix you. Your discernment, your trust, your joy, your discernment, your wisdom, even your performance. The things that we've been preaching on that you have so much concern over, so much fear over, that hinders you from actually getting into his holy of holies, from actually taking him at his word, is what cures your problem. So you don't have trust issues when you actually know the Lord. You may know of his general set of principles. You may know many things about him. You may have heard about his word and his spirit or even experienced it. But when you really know the Lord, you don't have a trust problem anymore. The problem is we need to know Him more than we do now. He is drawing us into a deeper revelation today so that our trust problems go out the window. That we no longer have that problem. You've been struggling with joy. You've been struggling to hold that fire. You feel joy for a little while, but then get swallowed again. Now it's time for us to know the Lord. And know the simple things that He wants to say to you. And I promise your joy problem will go away in a hurry. We need to know Him more, not just about Him. I'm not satisfied just with looking good or having a good performance or knowing the Lord on occasions. Yeah. I want to know Him. Amen. If you know Him, your joy and your discernment will be fixed. Look you won't have trouble knowing what to do in the situation when you're close to Him. Look at this story, guys. This
0: story is about a child that's being healed, but it's wrapped around the father. It's wrapped around this man who is trying to learn what closeness is. So that it's not his... his Trust is fixed. His joy is fixed. Look at verse 52 when he inquired as the time. See, some of us are inquiring of the Lord. You're trying to maximize your discernment. You know what's going to fix your discernment? That you get closer to the Lord. He'll start inquiring in the right ways. Wait, there's something there. I don't, Lord, I need you to help me dial that in. And then as you move on in verse 53, the Father realized. Somebody say realize. Realize. He started making the connections. The dots started connecting for him. And he was like, now it moves from discernment into wisdom. When you are closer to the Lord, you should be walking in wisdom. And this does something. It produces fruit. A performance that says his whole household
1: believed. So your discernment, your wisdom is subjective as all get out when you know about someone. When you have maybe experienced them at times. That is not the same thing as knowing them. I know about Pastor Wade. I know what shoe size he wears. I know how he likes to preach. I know what he prefers to eat for dinner that is different than me being close enough to hear his whisper. See, if I'm out here and I know where Wade is, I know what Wade would like me to do during the service. I know what, in general, he wants from my family's life. That is not the same thing as knowing him. Where when he whispers, I hear. He doesn't have to yell at me. He doesn't have to rebuke me to get me to understand what He wants. All of your concerns about your performance issues, they go away when you're close to the Lord in that manner. It feels daunting the idea that we have, have, to, have to be that close. No, no, no. The Lord wants you to be that close. He is helping you get that close. This, today, this service is about Him bringing you along and His voice is saying, no, this is the way. Walk in it. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you. I'm showing you you will get there today. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 14.
0: Act, Yeah, let's turn to Exodus 14 and let's look at verse 13. Judah, why don't you share that
1: with us? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of your Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Who remembers the devil in the deep blue sea? This word here, you need only to be still has to do with a quietness of soul, a steadying of emotions, a removal of the frantic, crazy thoughts that we all have. This was not dependent upon their ability to fight the Egyptians. What was it dependent upon, saints? It was dependent upon a mighty arm of God that if we could merely submit to him, quiet our soul and look for His deliverance, those things that have been nagging at you, that have been causing you to fear, causing you to fail, causing you to believe that you cannot do it, you'll never see them again. That God is going to put an end to those things by deepening our closeness with Him today. Let's look at Psalm 131. Let's put this on the screen. Psalm 131, verse 1.
0: It says this, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Do you know that that's why we come in and what we did today? We were singing a song that said, Lord, you provide the fire and I'll provide the sacrifice. And as Charismatics, we like the idea of fire. But you know what fire most often is in the Bible? It's judgment. Lord, you provide the fire of your judgment. I'm coming before you, not saying I've already got this figured out. Let your cool fire fall upon me. You're saying, Lord, I want to come in and I want to see the fire of your judgment and I'm offering my life that you can whisper to me and you don't have to shout at me. When he shouts at you, the mountains tremble. When he shouts at you, it's not a good thing. So what we're saying is he's coming. My eyes are not proud. We have to start from a place that says we don't got it figured out. And I intentionally use the colloquial version there. We don't got it figured out. I'm not going to concern myself with matters that aren't even in my realm or even my responsibility. Verse 2, But I have stilled and quieted my soul. Church, are you listening? For us to hear God's whisper, you have to still and quiet your own soul. Listen, Listen to the description. Like a weaned child with its mother... Like a weaned child is my soul within me. We've got so many babies, this should make perfect sense to to the families in this church. What is it saying? It's saying that the baby in and of itself cannot settle itself. It needs something. It needs to be close to the mother so that it can be settled. But he's saying, like a weaned child, I have learned to settle my own soul, to still myself, to quiet myself, to find a maturity that allows me to rest and be still on Man. the inside so that I can hear His whisper to me. Man, this is, a, this is an important concept for us to still our soul. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let
1: me pick up on the 6th verse. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not... The wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. You know, there's an interesting relationship between a childlike faith and maturity in the Bible. That infant that has supreme confidence and zero fear and zero insecurity is actually mature in the Psalms. You know why? Because they're close to the father. They're close to the one that can feed them, the one that can help them. We inside of ourselves, you need to have less confidence in yourself. That's a good word. You really don't think that I need to tell you that, but I do. You think too highly of your own ability to do anything. We need to think more highly of His ability to move through us. Have a greater confidence in it. You reducing your own feeling of maturity and priority and self, self, self allows you to actually be mature in the kingdom because it means that He moves through you more. Look at verse 7. No, we speak
0: of God's secret wisdom those whispers that he wants to give you after you've died to self and stilled your own hearts and own minds. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory from before time began. See, this was his plan the whole time. That you would mature yourself Not trust in yourself, but trust in Him. Trust in Him through you. That you would elevate your level of trust in God because you're getting closer and closer. And you realize that you want to lean in so He doesn't have to scream at you. All He has to do is whisper. You want to keep getting closer, Lord. you got to whisper to me. And tell me the secret wisdom that can only come from being close enough to God to hear His whispers to you.
1: Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why is it that they did not understand it? It's because the Roman emperor didn't stand up and shout it before the nations. It wasn't revealed in some great mighty banner. It was whispered to those who wanted to hear what the Spirit said. And that's why a few scared Jewish boys that had no confidence in and of themselves transformed the world. We're going to read this in verse 9. I want you to listen to it carefully. We're going to hold on to our illusion of the first time. We're not going to assume that we already know what it means or how you've heard it preached before. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no eye has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. See, the things that... Everyone has been waiting for ages. Men of God who have longed to see what it is that He's going to do in these present ages. He has revealed it to you. It is Scripture so often used as oh, no, I seen. no, I, you really are not going to be able to understand it. It's going to be okay. No, the point of this passage is that you, His sons, His daughters, that He has something supernatural in store for you that yes. by His Spirit He is going to reveal it. Say going to reveal it. Going to reveal it. It's a matter of fact, not a matter of question. If we lend our ear to Him and put away all of our other thoughts, He will reveal it to you. He will speak it to you. You are not an exception to the rule. God will speak to you. Look at how the verse continues. The Spirit searches all things.
0: Somebody say "All all things. When the Bible says all things, it actually means all things. Anything that you could possibly want or need, the Spirit can search that. Even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, yeah, you can't trust your your lying ears. What's the song? Modern song, if your lips are moving, I know you're lying. Yeah, yeah. So how can you know what a man is actually thinking and feeling unless you are able to discern the spirit of that man? Come on. In the same way... Somebody say same way. See, God's using what you already understand about somebody. They could say something. They could be super convincing. But they could be lying to your face. Unless you were actually on the inside of them, it is tough to know for sure sometimes, especially the ones who are really good at lying. But in the same way, no one can know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So how are you going to know the thoughts of God? Be connected with the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world... But the Spirit who is from God, listen to this, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. The whole point is that you can hear the whisper of God and know exactly what He means for you. Know exactly the direction you should take. Know exactly the answer that you have been begging Him for. The Spirit is what gives us this ability so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This has always been the
1: point of this entire passage. Verse 13 says, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. Remember, when we hear him, when we get close to him, we have divine wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in a spiritual way. When I hear this, because I have a carnal mind that is being renovated, I really think of a hippie. I think of a weirdo that is talking to me about some kind of Bethel teaching. In words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in a spiritual way. The Word of God is the expression of the Spirit. This is teaching the Word of God and as the Spirit is moving through you, as your interaction with the Spirit and the Word is coming out, this is the living and active Word of God inside of your life. This is not some kind of strange mysticism. This is a spiritual Word being delivered in a spiritual way. How many times have you heard the Word of God and it was done not in a spiritual way at all? In fact, it had no effect on the man who read it or you. This is about a living and active Word and Spirit that changes lives. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. The judgments that we make have to be rendered by the heavens. And we are subject to heaven's judgments and not man's. Not your family's opinion. Not your relative's opinion about what you are doing. We are subject to the directive of a heavenly king. Of a heavenly judge. And we also are accountable to other men that have heard from heaven. That have a heavenly judgment. A heavenly direction. This is about removing your carnality of mind and your old system of judgment and operating in the spirit. This also shows areas where our own independence and self-sufficiency have got to go away. Yeah. It is a hindrance to us receiving all that God wants for us. If we could just simply want to know what His Word, His Spirit, and He is speaking to us today, my God, man, we would be empowered on a new level. Not just a few of us, but all of us. Every one of us. Let's look at verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that He may
0: instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a special thing. You can have the mind of Christ. We have it. We are supposed to be operating in it. We're supposed to be having the Spirit confirm the Word in us over and over and over again that we might constantly say, hey Lord, I'm going to get close enough. And as you're talking, the truth is is even if you're talking to someone else, I'm going to hear it. I want to hear what he's saying, because what God has said to a pastorate, what God has said to an elder, you know what you can do as a part of LCM, you can hear what he's saying and have the mind of Christ and realize, you know what? I know God said that to Elder Bosch, but I think that's for me as well. Maybe I can help him. Maybe I can jump in there and and watch him be successful in what God has called him to do. This is what we have when we have the mind of Christ. Look, let's turn to second Peter chapter one together. We are working towards a closing here in the next few minutes. Second Peter chapter one and verse 19. It says this have the word of the prophets made more certain. Somebody Amen. say it with me. Made more certain. Made more How does the word of God become more certain? It is already perfect. It is already righteous. But what we have is as we get close to the Lord, we learn to hear His whisper. It is made more certain in us. I see that I thought it was just a whisper, but I began to do it, and it started to resonate. It started to amplify. It started to get louder. And then I did it a little bit more, and it got louder in my life. And I I, I stepped out more in faith. Then it got louder and louder, more and more certain in my own life. This is what the Word of the Lord is. It is supposed to be that we become tested and approved because the Word is being made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it. Church, you will do well to pay attention to this principle. As to a light shining in a dark place. Well, that was part of the prophecies that came forth this morning. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Man, the truth is, is that what we've actually heard from God will grow and grow and grow and amplify and be made
1: more certain. He will come into a thunderous shout in our lives. But the converse is also true, isn't it? It is. Pastor Matthew heard from the Lord that he was supposed to move here and that he would participate in something. That word was a small whisper. It's just, I feel like the Lord has given this to me and I cannot move from it. As simplistic as it was. Can you see the way in which that word has grown and grown and grown where he's in full time ministry, pastoring your life and your family now? The one association was something that just the Lord was speaking that we needed to have a table of men that we're accountable to, that we can be strong with, that we can partner together. And you see how it has grown and grown and grown from there. Many of you have also entertained things that are a feeling you think you heard from the Lord or a discovery that you found from somebody else's work. That you believe the Lord has spoken to you. And the reality is that more and more God is going to cause that to fade because it didn't come from Him. It doesn't get stronger year after year. It starts to bleed away because that's part of the process of discipleship. I've had dear friends that are ministering in places that proclaim that they did not need a doctor, that it was totally wrong for you to take Tylenol, that you never, if you're righteous, will you ever have a headache. There's a sin problem if you have a headache. And they really believed it. And yet that conviction that was based upon a word they thought they had began to fade year after year as God made it abundantly clear that that wasn't the case. Your convictions need to be tested and approved. If you really heard from God... It's not a long, lengthy explanation. It's what He told you. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Stick to what He told you. And as you put it into practice, that whisper that was given to you starts to turn into a rumble, into a shout, into a thunder that nations can hear and is a testimony of a way of life. It will be tested and approved by how we cultivate it. Verse 20. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation or commentary's interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Come on, does somebody want to be carried by the Holy Spirit today? I do. I'm tired of running my own way. I want that kind of spirit to carry us into what we need. Because I know there is no other way for us to make that journey. I can't do it. You can't. But the Spirit of God will carry us today. He will pick us up like I would pick up my son and bring him where I know he needs to be. We just have to get with him and listen to his words. Consider what we
0: said about Isaiah 30 earlier. That whether you turn to the left or to the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, walk in it. Come on now. As you are entering into the holy place where you have the menorah on your left, where you have the table of showbread, His very words on the right. You are looking in front of you and you see an altar of incense. A golden altar that is there with incense rising before the Lord. As long as you don't just back up, then you're going to consistently hear His whisper saying to you, this is the way. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to make it. And you're going to be able to continue to go forward towards the closeness that God is intending for this group of people, for you as an individual to have today, right now, right in our midst, that we can walk towards the Lord because we can hear His
1: whispers rightly. In fact, I can even feel that voice pushing us at this moment. If you're listening, you can feel it being cultivated in you. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things that belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. That is the law. And it is also the things that were spoken to you. Those few simple, small words are meant to carry through the generations. You know, quite a few years ago, the Lord spoke a few very small, simple things to this body like diamonds in the rough about a life changing ministries that have grown and resonated from there. And we haven't given up on it. In fact, We've treasured it, possessed it, and have worked to pass it on, and the result of that is that it gets refined, it grows stronger, and it is more powerful in the generations to come. Proverbs twenty five two says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Amen. See, we're both completely unnoble in of ourselves, and yet he is making our soil noble. We are both kings with God, and we are children for us to humbly seek out what he might speak today, that is to the glory of a king. That is a kingly pursuit. That is a king that has a king that is the king of kings. We're becoming something more as we strip away all of the other fluff and pursue that. Let's go to Exodus 19, verse 16. Exodus 19, verse 16.
0: On the morning of the third day, somebody say the third day, third day, man, the distance between life and death, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. (laughs) See, when the Lord starts to shout, when he starts to have a trumpet that's blown loudly, everyone, every man on this earth will start to tremble before him. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And there they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. Look, there's, there's a little footnote in many of your Bibles. Not only did the whole mountain tremble violently, but it says that all of the people trembled violently. Yes. See see this is becoming this what God was whispering to Moses is starting to affect the people around him. What he whispered to Moses that no one else could hear, everyone is beginning to hear. What God whispers in your heart should grow and grow and amplify until it is a trembling shout that comes from your life that everyone must hear, everyone must deal with, everyone must give an account for because they've heard it now. What started as the whisper Is a thundering shout that is shaking the whole mountain. Take a look at verse 19. It says, And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and louder. See, again, this whisper to Moses is now becoming a trumpet that started off being heard, but it grew louder and louder
1: and louder. That last verse says, Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. You have another footnote in most of your Bibles. This is God thundered. You see, when God speaks to a man as a whisper, because we are listening and it gets cultivated in our heart. And over years, we demonstrate faithfulness with it. Not only do we start to be louder about it in our actions, in our way of life, a shout becomes a thunder, comes a shout from the mountains. God Himself begins to thunder about it. Just like in Isaiah 42, when we shouted from the mountains, He begins to rise up. He begins to do something. He clothes Himself in power and zeal. And He shouts. When our convictions that are birthed of heaven. When God speaks to you something today and it is tested and approved, it grows louder and louder. But so does the testimony that God adds to your life. I want that testimony added. Let's look at Revelation chapter 8 for our final passage of
0: the day. Revelation chapter 8. There when you're there. Man, don't you want your, your life to shout forth His praise? Don't you you want your life to be thundering with with approval from the heavens? It's got to start with the whisper of his word to you. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, look what it says. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. In the place where there are angelic beings for all of eternity who's been have been singing holy 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 is the lord they never stop singing his praise except for this 30 minute time span that revelation 8 is speaking about there was silence See, how important is it for us to get silence today in our own soul, in our own spirit today, that we still ourselves, that we're saying, Lord, you have got to whisper to me so that my life can one day shout your praises. You've got to whisper something to me today. We want a closeness with you, God, that will cause us to be able to hear what you're clearly saying. My gosh, there's silence even in heaven, church. How much more do we need the silence in our own hearts Today, to hear that whisper. Let's go on to verse 2. And I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Uh oh, look at verse 3. Another angel, somebody say, another angel, another angel, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar of God's presence. He was given much incense to offer. What an interesting thing. With the prayers of all the saints. See, what the Lord is trying to encourage us as a church, man, we're a church that wants to get in the Word. We want to have the agreement between the Word and the Spirit. You know what the Lord is doing today? He's saying, I need you to start raising some prayers up to me. I need you to elevate your prayers in this place today that I might get close enough to you that you will hear when I whisper to you. On the golden altar before the throne, the smoke of the incense, together, somebody say together, Together. with the prayers of the saints, went up before God, from the angel's hand. Mm. See what we're going to do today in just a few moments is we're going to stand and we're going to treat this entire ending of the service different than we normally do because we feel like it's what God is leading us to do. We're going to stand and we're going to silence our own souls for just a minute. We're used to Peyton begin to play and he has words and a song that kind of lead us and hopefully lead our hearts to really respond well. How about we silence ourselves so we
1: can hear his whisper to us today? Silence and verbal. Quietness, silence of heart. Put down the fear, the thought that the Lord's not going to speak to you. Put down the fear and the thought that it can't change. Put down the competing interest in your own life for other things that you want. Still, that is every part of a man. And as we begin to pray, we're not going to pray and then have a rush to the altar. We don't want you at the altar today. Please don't go to the altar and sit and cry and weep. Today is a day where we have repented and we heard the words of instruction about entering into his throne room with confidence, with holiness, that we have a full assurance that right now the King of Kings is saying you have reason for confidence. You have reason for full assurance. Your mistakes in the past, your failures in the past have nothing to do with who you are now able to enter enter into my throne room. God is going to speak to us in a way that will allow you to carry on your journey. To survive the distance, the height, the elevation that He's calling us to. More than survive, it will cause you to thrive when that is inside of you. We're going to begin to pray as one man. Not us calling you to the altar as a cursory meal prayer. We need you. We told you that we were preaching in a way where we don't have a directive that you must accomplish. We are trying to cultivate a desire in you that you and the heavens are going to respond to. None of us, we can't do it for you. Peyton can't lead in a certain way that will cause that to happen. This is about every man, every woman, every child, you reaching out to the Lord and believing He will speak to you. He's going to transform us today. You ready? Stand to our feet
0: and stay right where you are. This is the time where you begin to pray. You begin to ask the Lord to whisper his words in your ears. You begin to move. You begin to say, Lord, we want to be close to you. We need to be close to you that we might hear your voice. Mighty
1: Father, we ask that in this moment, Lord, you would help us to cast aside every other thought. Lord, we want to tune our ears to you now. We say you were worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our thoughts. You are worthy of our devotion. Lord, we believe in you today. Lord, we believe that you are able to move inside of us. Lord, that you will cultivate something in us that is new, that is living. Lord, that you will direct this church. That you will direct our families. Lord, that your word will sustain us in this house, holy one.